I remember back in the mid-2000s when I was watching MMA, it felt like I could recite nearly every major bout, every big-time fighter. It was so easy. The sport felt so much smaller. Robbie Lawler. Iowa. And while of course I was wrong and didn't know a damn thing, what an idiot. <laughs> the problem has only gotten bigger with the absolute flood of MMA since that time. And so there are occasions where we fans just flat out forget that a fighter whose career has been pretty notable competed for a major. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Promotions Championship. It's time to go, oh yeah, now I remember that thing I never actually knew. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point. A massive thanks to our biggest channel supporters and our Hall of Famers. And these are 10 well-known fighters you forgot fought for world titles. Number 10, John Fitch. Now, of course, we all remember John's title challenge against GSP back in 2008. He came into the bout on an eight-fight unbeaten run in the division and got utterly dominated. St. Pierre only saw 50s from the judges. And then there was, of course, his lack of a title fight thereafter when he would go on a run of five victories followed by a draw with BJ Penn. That's okay, instead of gold, how about you fight this upcoming Johnny Hendricks fella? Oh, oh no. Then of course he was abruptly let go from the UFC after a single loss. He was ranked number one, fought for the title. He was ranked number two. He was ranked number three, six, seven, and now he's nine. That's called the downside of your career. He's on the downside. This is the UFC. This is the pinnacle of this sport. The best fighters in the world fight here. But I can tell you this, John Fitch isn't cheap. And made a run with the WSOF slash PFL title. But do you remember his ill-fated welterweight title challenge against other GSP, Rory McDonald, in Bellator? The fight took place in the 170-pound GP tournament during a quarterfinal, no less, and came off Rory's failed double champ attempt the year previous. The bout would have the worst conclusion possible in a title fight. The majority draw. For the life of me, I don't remember this happening in the slightest. Maybe it's because the fight wasn't that great, or maybe it was because it was so late in his career, Fitch would retire one bout later. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. Number nine, Todd Duffy. What? I know what you're about to say. Oh, Tommy, this is a terrible entry. Everybody remembers when Todd Duffy fought Uberine for the Dream title and got KO'd in 19 seconds. Well, guess what? That's not what this entry is about, so you can go ahead and save your comment for some other time I fuck up. This is a super recent one, too, but probably under your radar unless you're a bit more of a hardcore fan. Following a second stint in the UFC that saw very mixed results... I would like to get some pointers or some perspective on my mental case. I'm tired of hearing that. That's a joke. But did find the Duffster getting a TKO victory over Phil DeFreeze that earned him a knockout of the night. Todd then went AWOL for a few years, only to return in KSW... You've done something with your hair. Because the guy he KO'd of the night is the seven-time reigning defending heavyweight champion, and, well, who doesn't want to get one of their worst losses back? I got my ass whooped, you know, that's all my saying, I got my ass whooped. Phil scored a first-round TKO stop to retain... He's just doing enough to stay in this night. 
And as of right now, that was the last time we've seen the Duff Man in the cage. Number eight, Jeff Monson. Let me ask you something. You like watching people get fucked for free? Russian citizen and actual snowman, Jeff Monson is a pretty standout heavyweight grappler, and over the course of his insanely long 20-year career that saw 87 fights, he went up against some pretty high-profile names. He fought both Emelianenkos and beat one of them, I'll let you guess which. One, a two, three. At a pit stop in Strike Force to take on Daniel Cormier, Pedro Hizo, Sergey Karatanov, Big Country, Rico Rodriguez, Josh Barnett, Mark Kerr, the dude saw some things. And while his only title would come in Cage Warriors, he actually fought for UFC Gold once during one of the least memorable title reigns in the sport's history, that being the second run of Tim Sylvia. Yes, he actually fought someone other than Andre Arlovsky during that time. Hey, Tim, how's taste my PPP, okay? <laughs> All right. Monson put together three UFC wins back-to-back to earn his shot at the Maniac. Unfortunately, he would fail on all three judges' cards in a snoozer of a fight and then would never compete in the promotion ever again. Number seven, Michael McDonald. Is there anything less memorable than an interim title reign? How about one where they actually have to defend this make-believe championship? To be fair to Hen and Barrow, much fairer than Joe Rogan that one time. How can he be fine? How can you be fine if you're blacking out while you're making weight? This is very disappointing and, and very embarrassing, not just for you, but for the UFC. Thank you very much. Dominic Cruz had been out with an injury for, I believe, 17 years. I didn't look up the actual time, but I'm almost positive it was that long. Anyway, dude was out forever, so it did feel a bit like Burrell was the real champ, and defending interim gold kind of in a weird way solidified that. Anyway, one such defense was Michael McDonald. The former Tachi Palace champ got a win in the WEC before making the UFC jump and tearing it up, going on a four-fight run and scoring back-to-back first-round knockouts, the latter of which was against former WEC champ Miguel Torres, and so McDonald was that new hotness at 135 and was getting some hype. This led to him getting a chance to win interim gold against Barrow, but unfortunately would see him choked in the fourth. Mike wouldn't stick around much longer after that, and between the nature of Barrow's reign and how quickly McDonald exited in the years after, this one was hard to remember. Number six, Liz Carmouche. She is the current reigning defending Bellator flyweight champion, and she was a mainstay of the UFC's early women's divisions, of course most famously taking on Ronda Rousey for the inaugural bantamweight title in the first ever women's bout in the promotion. She also took on Valentina Shevchenko for the flyweight strap, a rematch of a bout they had in 2010 where Liz got the victory because of a nasty cut. But did you know that in her brief stint in Strike Force, Carmouche competed against Marlos Kunin for the bantamweight title? If you recall, Kunin, a pioneer, lost the belt to Misha Tate, who then of course famously lost to Rousey, so we're just talking about three years before women in the UFC. Liz would fail to capture gold due to a fourth round triangle choke, but now you can impress your hardcore fight friends next time you're all watching Bellator together, which I'm sure is very frequently, if Bellator even exists in the near future. Number five, Clay Guida. This one's insane because it's not even a title challenge, it was a damn title reign. It's hard to imagine a time before the UFC had Clay Guida. It feels as if he's just always 
been there. For the last 16 years, the carpenter has been doing his high-energy iron chinned thing with various levels of success and some pretty impressive names to his resume. Michael Johnson, Nate Diaz, former champs BJ Penn, Anthony Pettis, and Rafael Dos Anjos. And of course, he had the Hall of Fame bout with Diego Sanchez. Despite his 35 appearances in the promotion, though, Guida never once fought for gold, the closest he got being a title eliminator lost to Benson Henderson. But the same can't be said for his very brief two-fight run in Strike Force. Clay would actually become the promotion's first ever lightweight champion after getting a UD over Josh Thompson, quite a win in hindsight. He would never successfully defend, though, as he would run into Gil Melendez and drop the strap in a split before making his way to the UFC later that year. Having that close of a bout with one of Strike Force's premier champions, though, it's a shame more people don't remember that Guida held that gold. Number 4. Alexis Davis Okay, I want you to think about this for a second. When the highlight reel of Ronda Rousey pops into your head, what do you see? Don't say the head kick. Come on, be serious. What were the big moments? Her surviving the neck crank by Carmouche. Her not shaking Misha's hand. Shake your hand. The knee to Sarah McMahon. Katz Ngano charging in and getting that straight arm bar immediately, 14 seconds. Betch Kohea, big shot to the side of the dome, don't cry, Joe Rogan did though. These are the moments you remember. Now tell me about her win against Alexis Davis. Go ahead, tell me. You can't. The fight was 16 seconds and I bet you would have to look it up to even tell me what happened. An arm bar win, right? No, wrong. I tricked you. She tossed her and then punched her in the face a bunch of times until Eve Levine jumped in. For as massively high profile as Ronda Rousey was, it's kind of crazy how under the radar this Alexis Davis title fight went. It is without question her least talked about victory. It was a co-main event. Davis never really got back to that title level again. There wasn't some crazy buildup to this one. There was no trash talk. It was forgettable in almost every way. And do not lie in the comments and say you remembered you. Number three, Keith Jardine. The Dean of Me never once fought for UFC gold despite his popularity in that tough boom era and a few high profile victories like Forrest Griffin and Chuck Liddell. But Keith just never seemed to be able to put it together consistently and would eventually go on a four-fight skid before getting shown the promotional exit sign. Despite only a couple wins on the regional scene, Jardine was brought into Strike Force, where he would go to a majority draw with Gegard Masasi. What a spot in 2011 that's aged well. Now, granted, Gegard did drop a point for an illegal upkick, but if you try to take that away from Keith, he'll sock you straight in the face. All right, so you ready for the title fight you forgot about? It would come at middleweight, no less, too, his debut in the division, when Tim Kennedy was forced off Strike Force's January 2012 card, Jardine was brought in to take on champ Luke Rockhold. Yeah, talk about big time. Luke would score a TKO win with about 30 seconds left in the first round, and one loss later, the Dean of Mean would retire to be an administrator at Mean College. Number two, Jorge Masvidal. No, he didn't get a third shot at Kamaru Usman that you just didn't remember. Getting the three piece. But man, you know what? If he had beaten Burns and done so impressively, I guarantee the UFC would have tried to shoehorn him in with Leon, the story would have been just too good. Anyway, no, we need to go way back in the Game Bread story, back when most of us probably didn't even know who the guy was, or maybe we weren't even watching MMA yet. After all, Jorge has been at this since before the tough boom. The forgotten title challenge, though, would take place in 2011. After two straight wins in Strike Force, including a UD over KJ Noons and a title eliminator, Jorge dealt with the scrap pack for the first time. <laughs> 
Uh, when he got to challenge Giblert Melendez for the promotion's lightweight strap. The scoring would be identical to that of his first attempt at Usman's belt, which of course means things didn't go well. Gil got the UD, but a fight later, Masvidal would enter the UFC and make his way to the strap seven years later. Number one, Kazushi Sakuraba. I mean, I don't know how we couldn't put a legend at the top of this list, but when someone fights as long and is as prolific as Sakuraba, you're bound to forget some stuff. Of course, we all remember his legendary showdowns with the Gracie family in 2000. It was a career highlight and one of the biggest moments in the history of mixed martial arts. And while he would have other successes after that, beating Rampage, beating Kevin Randleman, the rest of Saku's time in Pride FC was more defined by his losses, losing the 2000 GP final, his trilogy bouts with Vandy, and then the loss to Arona in the 2005 middleweight GP quarters. But did you remember that a whole 10 years after he would be crowned the Gracie Hunter, Kazushi competed against Marius Zaromski for the Dream Welterweight title? Even stranger, he'd lost four of his last six prior to that. Bon Hoop is putting a beating on a legend here in the first round. Again and, again. and one of his only wins in Dream was against the debuting Ruben Williams. But I mean, it's Sakuraba. Fuck it, let the man fight for a title. You know, it's New Year's Eve. Zoromski got the TKO doctor stoppage 216 into this one. Yeah, the fight shouldn't have happened. Maybe it's for the best that we don't remember it. What do you think, Luke Taylor? Were you surprised by some of these entries? Nothing surprises Luke. He's too damn slick. Please follow him on all his socials. Channel champions. You are the champions of the channel. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Can't tell you enough. You know, we have these Monday writers meetings and now we stream them for channel members. It's a pretty fun time. And you might actually have some input, not only in the ideas for our lists, but in entries themselves. Just hit that little join button if you want to be a part of it. If that's too much, hey, no big deal. Liking and subscribing would be awesome too. Guys, thanks for coming to see me today. Let's chat again soon.